We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. If you heard the rumors, if you are on Twitter and heard the chit chat, it is true. Oh, yes, it's damn true. We are officially challenging the Rassle Rap crew to a dual podcast. It went down earlier today. Check the Twitter feed to see what's going on. But Kaz, Emilio Sparks, it is official. It's on wax. It doesn't matter if you guys want to come on here. We'll come on your podcast. Wherever it has to go down, the people demand it. And we are here to prove we are the true Tag Team Podcast Champions of the World. There will be no goddamn Mikel moments. There will be a lot of old man Andreas. And we will talk wrestling the entire time. And this is what the people want. Dre, we got to bring it to them. Yeah, sure. You said there's going to be no goddamn Mikel moments? No goddamn Mikel moments. And it's crazy because Emilio agrees with me on a lot of stuff. So it can't be a joint goddamn it moment. Oh, boy. you mean, <laughs> There's going to be some defection in this. Oh. <laughs> Nah, listen, if I if I stray, I just hit you for the hot tag, and you come in. Alright. I mean, you know, I'm in. So Yeah, we're built, we're built like a really good tag team. Just just don't don't make me uh super kick you through the barbershop window, alright? <laughs> oh, it's like that. Everyone everyone always wants to go Shawn Michaels. No one wants to be Janetti. <laughs> no, nobody. <laughs> Oh, what a, what a rough way to start. Um, we are back for another episode. As you guys know, this is the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby, Andreas Hale. 
Obviously, you guys listen every week, so we appreciate that. Tons of stuff to talk about this week. It feels like we were just going through and planning the show, and it was like, man, it's almost too scattered. And a lot of stuff outside of the world of combat sports caught our attention, and we were like, you know what? The hell with it. Y'all got to listen. Y'all got to listen to us talk about all the stuff we geeked out about this week. And I think you'll like it, too. Hit us up on Twitter, social media. Let us know what you guys think about it. But it's time to jump right in. Uh, oh, you know what? I was going to start with Grammy nominations because, you know, Andreas, that's your thing. But first, how was your Thanksgiving? I mean, it was cool until I got time to light us. Um, it was from those yeah. chitlins. That's what nah, gave it to you. The chitlins. Yo, they didn't get touched. Yo, so we went to my mother's house. My family went to my mother's house and uh, had Thanksgiving over there. And it was cool. I mean, we watched uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> is, that a thing- is that a Thanksgiving movie? I don't know. It was it just happened to be on, and, and you know, like my father-in-law hadn't seen it, so we watched Vampire in Brooklyn. Um, my stepfather he ate all the chitlins because nobody in this side eats chitlins at all, and it, it was good. My highlight was Black Friday because I I think I, I spent way too much money. I bought a bunch of shit I didn't need to, but um, yeah. Then after that, I ended up getting sick. Uh, my niece had tonsillitis, and from there, just it just spread through the family. So I was down for the count. That's why y'all getting the late podcast this week. Yeah, can't do a podcast when you don't got no voice. No, you can't. So we had to wait it out. Uh, I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving. Mine was good, too. I actually had to work, but then made it over there, brought the mac and cheese, you know, ceremoniously, blessed them with the God status mac and cheese. Everyone was appreciative. It was dope. There was no green bean casserole this year. Really? Yeah, none at all. Let's be a hand clap for that. Yeah, they're, they're stepping up the game. Uh, everyone have fun. Black Friday. I got a lot of stuff. I got everything except for what I really wanted, which was uh, my 4K TV. Oh, you didn't get it? No, I went to Best Buy a couple hours after, and they still had all their doorbuster sales in stock. So they had a board of all the TVs on sales. And it was like, if you know, if there's a sign still on it or a tag, we still have it in stock. And literally the entire board was filled except for the one TV I wanted. That was the one all sold out. So I was like, yo, do I get a backup TV or do I wait for Cyber Monday? And I asked a little dude in the store. I was like, are the deals the same? He's like, a lot of the deals are the same. I was like, so should I just wait? He was like, oh, I can't tell you. I promise you. I was like, damn. All right, whatever. I'm going to wait. And that was not on there. So (laughs) no 4K TV for me just yet. I'll be the only person with the new Xbox and no 4K TV. But what the hell's the point? Like, what are you doing? I just got to wait it out. I'm going to wait it out until a uh, week before Super Bowl. I guess sales are crazy, too. You about to put premium gasoline in a Ford Escort. <laughs> Listen, we all done it. it. It is what it is. Like, sometimes you got to be patient. I'm practicing my patience. That might be my resolution for 2018. Patience. And this is that. testing it. Um. Yeah, so... That, that is my plight. Black Friday didn't go my way. I got some dope shirts, though. Uh, shout out to Hot Topic. And, and, and the Bucks <laughs> yes, of Youth yes. for coming through uh, with the $10 tees. I'm pretty sure between us and our group chat, we cleaned them out of t-shirts over the holiday. So that was dope. And, man, that was it. Nice, relaxing Thanksgiving. I ain't do much of anything. It was a good holiday. Now I'm ready to come here and BS with you. Which is, which is always good. Let's talk about what we came to talk about, and that's the Grammy nominations. It was the first thing kind of jump up this week and catch our attention. I am interested to hear what you're going to say. Because for some reason, I saw it and I was like, who the hell let Andreas Hale up in the room? <laughs> like, he, he had to have gotten in there and played some of these votes. Like, what is going on here? And, uh, yeah, what do you think? Is, is this a Grammy that you can get behind. Our first show talking about the Grammys, real quick, was two years ago, and it was when we were talking about are there enough black peoples in the Grammys? Or is it whitewashed? And it was that whole like Grammy white movement or whatever. That was our one of our first shows talking about the Grammys. And now we're here. Yeah, man, I mean if you look there are no white men nominated for album of the year. Um, it's all dominated by people of color. Uh, for and, album of the year with well, the exception Lord, of Lord. Right? Yeah. yeah, with the exception of Lord, but I mean, you have essentially three hip-hop artists 
nominated. Uh, you know, Childish Gambino is more of a funk album, but even Bruno Mars is influenced by funk. So it's this is the year that the that things are changing. I don't know. I can't really call why this happened. I mean, it's been an exceptional year in hip hop as a whole. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of people that are pissed off that Ed Sheeran didn't get nominated, but dude, there was a lot of good music this year. So when you look at those nominations for album of the year and you see Kendrick and Jay going head to head, Jay getting the most nominations, SZA getting five nominations, which was a surprise to many, but she had a phenomenal album this year. So that was great. And I mean, probably the most, uh, the best moment for me was looking on the list and seeing Rhapsody nominated for rap album of the year. Um, I had to call ninth. I had to call Rhapsody. And, you know, I mean, that's that's an amazing moment because they dropped an album that was I mean, they're in they're in the same room, essentially, with Kendrick Lamar, Jay-Z, Tyler, the creator and uh, Migos. That's crazy that she got nominated. She's only the fifth woman to get nominated for the rap album of the year. That's insane. That's bananas. And people haven't read your article and they're wondering why she got nominated. Check that out. You break it down quite nice. Yeah, I mean, Rhapsody, I mean, she's just an amazing talent, put together a phenomenal album. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of joked uh, you know, a few months back when I was with uh, Kendrick Lamar after his concert and we were talking about Rhapsody album. He hadn't heard it yet. And I told him, I was like, you know what? You know, it'd be really dope if both of y'all got nominated. And he was like, yeah, that'd be really dope. And it happened. And I was with Punch, who scissors uh, A&R, President Punch of TDE Records. We were talking about, I was like, you know what would be dope? If SZA got nominated for R&B album of the year. And it happened. And I'm like, yo, this is a good year for the Grammys. Grammys now, the Grammys left their computers open. And I, I swear, you just <laughs> ran up in there. Uh, you called Shake. You were like, Shake, we got the window. And y'all turned that into the two Dope Boy Awards on the low. I mean, it's, you know, they still have to be won. The awards still have to be won. And I, I'm still, it's still early to predict who's going to win album of the year. I think it's really, truly between Jay and Kendrick. Um, uh, obviously, I think the Tyler Lord Al- The Lord album was dope, though. The Lord album is very dope. I don't think she'll win, though. Um, Jay, Jay-Z had put together a great piece of work. Obviously, I think Kendrick should win album of the year. Because um, I'm still listening to Kendrick's album. I'm not listening to Jay's as much. However... Jay-Z had a great year because he wasn't Jay-Z this year. He was Sean Carter. And a lot of people have asked, like, what does that mean? And I'm like, this is the first time we've seen Jay this vulnerable. And if people seen his New York Times interview, which is excellent, um, they dropped yesterday. It's, this, is, this is the first time we've ever seen Sean Corey Carter. And this album is, is it's different than anything he's ever done. It's very personal. So It'll be interesting to see who wins on Grammy night, man. It, it, the Grammy nominations are definitely blackish this year. So uh, I'm excited. I'm trying to see what these performances are going to be about and who's going to take a knee on that stage. I want to see what's happening then. Oh, yeah. I, it's interesting because usually the performances reflect the nominations somewhat. So, like, you know, the, the people on top get asked to perform. It being so hip-hop and uh, I, I guess just black culture oriented i wonder who's going to be the performances then again a lot of other people are just dropping albums like taylor swift will probably perform um and she'll probably take all the awards next year but you it's interesting to see who they bring on to perform from last year i wouldn't i wouldn't mind a gambino or a rhapsody or, or someone that's really going to stir things and just give a different side to the grammys but it was definitely eye-opening yo yeah, it was. It was. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, I work for the Grammys around Grammy season. So I've already been tasked. I'm, I ended up I'm doing Kendrick's profile for album of the year again. I'll probably be doing some other stuff around the awards. But that's the third time, right? Third uh, time second. Con- oh. second. I did Kanye. Kanye I did uh, Chansey last year and I did Kendrick for To Pimp a Butterfly. And I did the oral history of the Pimp a Butterfly. I did Beyonce's oral history of Lemonade last year. I don't know what my oral history assignment is going to be this year. I have a feeling it'll either be damn or, or four four four. Um, but yeah, I'm doing Kendrick's profile in the official Grammy program book, so I got something to show my kids, man. Like, you know, one day they're gonna look and say, hey, "Pops, what did you do?" And I'll be like, "Yo, I wrote this, and I did this." So this is kind of dope. Oh, by the way, congratulations! Um, something obviously I've known for a year and two months, but you dropped a picture of our favorite member of the corner podcast on twitter and announced the world that you had a daughter yeah man um 
It's, it was a lot of congratulations. A lot of y'all, not a lot of y'all. I mean, people listen to this kind of podcast, you probably didn't know. But uh, Kel obviously knew, um, and a few other people knew. But, uh, you know, we just took our holiday pictures, and my family was wanting to post pictures on Facebook. And I'm just a very private person. Um, I have my reasons as to why I don't really talk about my private life, because I don't think people follow me on Twitter for my private life. I think you follow me to hear my thoughts on politics and thoughts on race and thoughts on sports and not really caring about my family. But my family wanted to. And I was like, you know what? All right, fine. So I posted a picture. Um, It's funny because me and my wife were very carefully with our picture. You don't see my daughter's face, but, you know, I have a daughter. So. Yeah, man. I'm a dad, so I can talk about dad stuff. Been a dad for 14 months. Um, it's a reason why that there's, you know, when I've disappeared for periods of time was to be a father. So that's who I am, man. I'm Andreas Hale, the father. And uh, yeah, and people are like, oh, secret baby. Now, if you knew me, you knew. <laughs> like, if you were around me, you knew. You couldn't get away from it. I'm a very family-oriented man. And uh, Kel knows it. You know, he's been around my daughter. Other people that have been around, like Marcus Vandenberg, is like, who? Where'd that baby come from? It's funny because, again, if you knew me, you you knew, you knew I was having a child. So, yeah, man. Yeah, I just need you to put some respect on her name, and stop saying that she cries a lot. That's all she, I'm saying. She does not. She's a perfect baby. Every time I've seen her, every time I've been around, and it's been large groups of people. We've been to the park together, picnics. She's never cried. Not yeah. once. Not once. She's a crier. She <laughs> cries all the time. Like, she's she's like, I guess she just be showing out in front of y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's mostly unavailable <laughs> when she's around a bunch of people. But when it's just me, her, and my wife, man, she just cries. She don't like <laughs> shit. She doesn't like anything. But she does like to sit and watch wrestling with her dad. So, hey, you know. I'm telling you this, though. 14 months uh, is around the time they put you back on the clock. You are, you are like the Cleveland Browns at this point. You are on the clock, my man. So it's either uh, you take another draft pick or, or you hang it up. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. The world will never know. I'm just letting you know. This is about the time when, you know, because too much time goes in between and it, it's kind of like weird. Four, 14 months is around that time. Yeah, no. We're not. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yo, this this has been a journey, and it's uh, one that uh, me and my wife, you know, it's like, damn, do we want to have an only child? Like, I'm an only child. Being an only child sucks. But Listen, I'm an only child. I love that shit. Yeah, it just depends. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just raised different. So it was like, I want my child, you know, to have a sibling. Um, and, another, you know, another thing about it is, like, uh, the other thing we did Thanksgiving, um, people are like, why are y'all talking about your family so much? But um, if for the first time in my life, we took a family picture where my mother and father were in the same picture. And we did that over the holidays and with Kennedy, my daughter, uh, with my wife and her family, Sans her mom, long story. But uh, we did a family picture and she has an artifact. Like, I don't have any family pictures. There's, in my life, I look at my pictures on my wall and there aren't any. So it's, it's like bare. So we, we did that. Um, but, you know, we've been talking. She's got, she loves her cousins, and her cousins love her. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about doing this shit again. It's- yeah, you're still enjoying the ride. That's the weirdest part about having two is that not that you stop enjoying the ride, but you have to experience everything over again. So it's, it kind of it stops that initial new parenting high, you know? Like, oh, they use the potty for the first time or... They tried their shoes and kindergarten. It's still all great, but when you're doing that, and then the next one is teething, and then the next one's potty train, it, it lessens it a little bit, you know? So it, it's, a, it's a little crazy. It gets a little hectic. So it, yeah. it is nice to have one sometimes and, and smell the roses. And You guys do the whole baby book thing? Yeah, we, we do a lot, man. We just, <laughs> like, like I said, my, my childhood was a lot different. Um, you know, I, would, I didn't have my mother or my father around for much of my childhood. So it's like it's very important for me to have like artifacts and things that she can look back upon and know that her family loved her. So we, we do all that. And it's like to do it all over again. Like, look, guys, I, my daughter don't sleep. She doesn't <laughs> like it. Kel talks about it like she's the high and mighty, but she's up every hour and a half every night. So you I up every hour and a half. You're acting like she's not your child. Three in the morning, I'll catch you in the group chat talking about you just caught up on wrestling. 
or you're yeah. binge watching this. I'm like, yo, it's three in the morning. She is your child. I don't understand. What'd you expect? It's- I don't know, man. Like she, she wakes up and it's like, all right, come time to go. Like we go downstairs. I, I go, I turn on. Like I'm binge watching sandwich. She just sits there and watches it with me. So it's my life, man. It's my life. <laughs> well, congrats. That is the life right now. One thing that we did watch the other day several times and had a super hype. The Avengers trailer was so crazy. Infinity Wars. Um, I know Black Panther's coming before this, and we've been hyped about Black Panther, but man, just a one-minute teaser trailer got me the most hype I've been about a movie, I'd say, five, ten years. Yeah, I'm a comic book nerd, so the fact that I've read the Infinity Gauntlet as a kid, like I bought that comic as a kid, and I bought it again like five years ago when I knew Marvel was going through this, so... To finally see Thanos and to finally see the Infinity Gems, like two of them in the glove, to finally see, I mean, as a kid, like you grow up, because superhero movies suck when we were like kids, they were terrible. <laughs> like, and there was no, there was no continuity, it was just like a one-off, so the fact that Marvel's committed themselves to this long journey, that it's a payoff, it's like a, I don't know, when did the first Iron Man come out? How many years ago was that? Man, it has to be 2011. It was the first Iron Man? Before that. That, that was, yeah, it was before that. Let's see. What, that was the official start of like this Marvel Universe, right? Yeah, I mean, we're in phase two. We're wrapping up phase two, going into phase three, right? Or are we going into phase four? Three into four, I think. So Iron Man came out in 2008. There we go. So we've had a 10-year journey to the payoff. And I know there's a lot of people that go back and forth you know, about arguing which is better, the DC Universe or the Marvel Universe. And I'll say that. Marvel's payoff has been much more significant. And because we've waited 10 years and we've had these post-credit scenes where they tease something else and we've had Thor and we've had the Guardians of the Galaxy, they're all going to be in one fucking movie together? What? Like, yo, DC, it's like we rushed Justice League. There was really no build to Justice League. And I haven't seen the movie. I'll see it eventually. But I'm just not infatuated with it. Like, I love the Dark Knight series, but this, I don't know. I'm cool. But Infinity War, I just, man, seeing Black Panther and Wakanda with, with, with Bucky and Captain America, the Hulk, but man, listen, I've watched it on my phone, I watched it on my computer, and last night I watched like three times in 4K. <laughs> so ready for this. I feel like you're rubbing in having the 4K TV right now due to prior kind of, discussion. <laughs> well, kind of. I, I have not watched it in 4K. But I did watch on every other platform. Thank you. And uh, it was super dope. Um, I guess we're in, yeah, we're going to four, to phase four. And there's actually a couple in phase four. Um, One thing I noticed, and we talked about in group chat, I didn't see Ant-Man, who you would think would be in it. He's definitely in it. Um, And I really didn't see enough of of Star-Lord. I mean... I think it's supposed to be split, kind of. Guardians of the Galaxy supposed to have a huge role. And they kind of have the most connection so far in the Marvel Universe to Thanos. And, nah, didn't see anything. I mean, you just got that scene where you saw Thor with the Guardians at the end. But uh, there's so many characters to service. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle this. And I said on Twitter, it's really frustrating if you read the Infinity Gauntlet um, the fact that Silver Surfer is still a product, uh, you know, a part of 20th Century Fox, and he will have no part in this, is hard to digest. But I'm sure they'll figure a way around it. But that means the Guardians have to play a major role. The Guardians and Thor have to play a very significant role in how this all goes down. Um, well, I actually I'm, think they, because when you put it, and I was like, man, yeah, Silver Surfer. I, I think I know how they're going to handle that. I, I think the role in the comic will be handled very s- similar. But I think they're just going to slide Captain Marvel in there instead of Silver Surfer. So you think we're getting a Captain Marvel debut in the Infinity War? Yeah. Yeah. I I think at the end we see Captain Marvel because what Captain Marvel movie scheduled for 2019, I think usually debut no different than um, Black Panther, right? Debuted two years ago. You had to wait it out. Yeah, super looking forward to it. Um, one other thing on the Marvel tip before you get into combat sports, I binge watched The Punisher while I was sick. Holy shit. That was good. <laughs> a lot of people are complaining that it's too much violence. I don't understand that. Okay. Like, like, listen. What did you I'm think not, you were, were going to watch? 
Dog, I'm an old school, like I, I like old Punisher comics. I, I still have them, right? When Punisher used to curse, the people was like, "What the f-? like? This is not a kid's comic." Punisher has always been super violent. Punisher Max, which is um, who the hell wrote that? Uh, Garth, I believe, and those were ultra violent. The series is violent. This is true to who Punisher is. But his relationship with Micros is, is excellent. My only qualm with the Punisher series is the main villain. Not the guy who ends up being the guy. If you read the comics, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But not that guy. I'm talking about the main baddie who's supposed to be at the top of the food chain. is kind of whack. But other than that, yo, John Berthold is amazing as the Punisher. They picked the right guy. And they needed it because Iron Fist was kind of trash. And the Guardians was, eh, it was okay. But Punisher... Yeah, man. That was good. No, I definitely right. delivered. I'm four episodes in. So I've been watching like one every day at lunch. And now, yeah, I'm definitely hooked. Um, yeah, it really is. And you wanted to know the writer of it. The writer was Jason Aaron, who worked on the character with Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. There we go. Yes. Um, but yeah, those Punisher Max comics are the shit. Um, I still keep them. But yeah. <laughs> It was, it's, you know, Punisher. Like, I, I watched a lot of stuff. Leon and Bale, when you have nothing else to do, I just watched a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, they have the ebook. Okay, after this podcast, I am getting that Punisher Max. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on to combat sports, though, right? Because that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to talk. Before we get to the nitty-gritty, and we have a big UFC weekend ahead of us, Conor McGregor, because the UFC begins and ends with Conor McGregor. This time, he's parking the Lambo. On damn near the steps of a courtroom, walking in, chilling, like he owns the place. And then he's also getting to bar fights with mobsters. Has he officially lost control? Is this, like, is he going full John Jones? Because we already said it. You should never go full John Jones. Man, this is just kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say the wheels are coming off. Because I don't know if the wheels were ever on. I don't, I don't think Connor ever really had time to put the wheels on the Lambo. I think the wheels, I think we're at a point right now where things are just spir- not spiraling out of control because he's still rich. Um, but this is, this is, there is a little bit of concern here about his future. And because he's not above the law. And his time on top is still very fresh and new. He's not Floyd Mayweather. He hasn't been on top of the game for 20 years in terms of being undefeated and whatnot. So, yeah, he's, he's going into dangerous territory right now. But he's, he just, dude, he made $80 million fighting Floyd Mayweather. So I don't think he really gives a fuck what we think. Uh, I don't think so. But there's no price on health. And if you get whacked by the mob, that 80 mil don't hold no weight. Yeah, of course, that is very true. Um, but it's, you know what's weird? I'm sure in like Ireland you got the Irish mob and then you have Conor McGregor fans. And then like they would have a war. So <laughs> it might be fun to watch. Yeah, I'm sure Connor will smooth it over. Once again, I'm sure they made more than enough money off the kid. So at the end of the day, how mad can they really be? But just to be the arguably the best fighter, one of the best fighters in the world, and going around having bar fights, jumping cages, getting rest faces, just a bunch of stupid shit that's unnecessary. And now Dana White says he doesn't know if Connor will ever fight again. Didn't I say that? You did, and I still don't fight? believe you. Because he's still fighting March 3rd. It is what it is. I mean, look, the again, it's, it's the same thing I said. Is How are you going to bring this man back? They're going to pay him whatever mil. he wants. They're going to pay him 20, 25 mil to show and give him long-term stake in the company. See, WME IMG is super against that. and Or, or they're going to sell because they're never getting the return on their investment without him. Yeah, so the, I think Conor McGregor does fight again um, eventually, but I just know that I knew this problem was coming. Like, you can't just have him come back. And, like, now he's, if you read the Tyron Woodley interview that MMA Junkie did, Woodley says that, you know, and he doesn't, he's not mad at Conor at this. Conor doesn't want anybody else that can get pay-per-view points on his cards anymore. He doesn't want to split the pie with him. And I get it. <laughs> That's smart. I mean, I, I totally get it. Because they're not they're bringing stuff. anything. Yeah, they're not exactly. adding anything that wouldn't be there already. If that makes exactly. sense. If Even, you're not, if, if you're paying to watch Conor McGregor fight, you're not. 
you're not necessarily paying to watch anybody else fight. Like, yeah. that's just an added bonus. You were probably going to buy their fight anyway. Like, if you were exactly. hardcore enough, they're, they're just doing whatever they do, but you would have bought the McGregor fight anyway. Because the hardcores, the casuals, everyone buys it. Everyone. So, so it is hard to split that pot. Yeah, so, you know, you look at what Conor is bringing to the table, and a lot of people say he's bad for the sport. However, the truth of the matter is, is he knows what he's worth. And the UFC has woefully been underpaying their fighters for years while selling their company for $4 billion. So he's, gonna, he's doing what he needs to do. He's, he knows he's the biggest draw. He's a self-made star. And, you know, as much as people want to say the UFC had a lot to do with this, this is really Conor's doing. So if he wants to come, if they want to bring him back, they have to pay the man. And after making $80 million in another sport, it's very hard to come back and get punched in the face for four, five, six million disclosed dollars. So they're going to have to pay him. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he fights in March. I think the UFC definitely wants him to fight in March. But I don't know if they're going to come to an agreement. You know, I, they, people talked about December. I don't think that was ever going to happen. I don't think there was no way that they were. Uh, the UFC would say it. Connor would want to fight in December. But there was no deal on the table that made sense for either side. Yeah. So, But the March one, he has, and I wrote an article on it, he has a deal out here. With Tao Nightclub, it seemed like it was some pretty big money to host three or four events a year. Um, and they're all billed as post-fight events. So his next four fights from that deal already, I knew, had to be in Vegas. So anytime we see a card in Vegas, we can kind of circle it as the McGregor card from here on out. Because if they come to a deal. If they come to a deal. But I'm, I'm saying, like, that's the same thing that happened... I think with the December card, right? Was it 219? And they scrambled. They had to get Cyborg and this and that. They had to scramble at the last second to fill it. It's because they waited for Connor. It's going to be like that every single Vegas card. Because he's not fighting anywhere else. No, nah, man. He doesn't want that state tax. He wants to make all his money. So it'll be interesting to see what WMEIMG does moving forward. Because, dude, we're about to talk about it. UFC's had a shitty 2017. Not according to Dana. Dana said it's their best year ever. Ain't nobody listening, Dana. 2017 (laughs) has been a trash year in terms of sales. There's been some great fights, but they're losing one main event after another. I mean, dude, we have two cars this weekend. One tomorrow, the Ultimate Fighter finale, and UFC 218. Both of them will have lost one of their main events. (laughs) Main event fighters. That's insane. and It just doesn't stop. It really doesn't. This this wasn't the best of year for their main events, for sure. It's just there's no real way of correcting it. Not not I should say there is, but not the course they're going. Cause no. IMG WME they they are in an entertainment company. That's what they are, and they're booking this for entertainment. They're not a sports company. So they're not booking it like a sports company. And when you do that and you have someone injured, you end up with, you know, the real bookers booking number two against number four, number three against number five, and everyone's taken. And then you look up and say, shit, we don't have a contingency because you didn't book champion versus one, two versus three, four versus six, like, you know, so on and so forth. Like you didn't book it correctly. So when someone pulls out, you don't have that next air parent. And that's the problem. And people say, oh, there's so much, you know, there's so many main event injuries now. Like, yeah, because people are jumping the line, taking fights on short notice. You don't know when you're going to get uh, another title opportunity. You don't know if this is your last. You don't know if the person's going for the money grab. Connor hasn't defended a title yet. So you just don't know. And people are jumping at any opportunity they have. And it's causing anarchy, and it's you know it causes fighters to rush, not take care of their bodies, cut weight to incredible levels, which is we've seen this year more than any before. Like hospitalizations and all this, it's it's trending in a bad way, and it's trending because people see a lot of money given to a very few, and that window is short. So there's a blueprint on how to get the money. It, and you have to have gold around your waist. To get gold around your waist, you got to talk. You got to do something. You got to be excited. And right now, fighters are doing anything they can to get that opportunity. Which is sad to see the girl from the tough finale, you know, having to be pulled out. Because it's probably your only chance at UFC gold. 
and at yeah, least probably get another shot. Really? Yeah. I mean, eh. you you watched the season, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. And so you saw what she did as a number twelve seed, Sajara. Well, oh, she was mauling people. Yeah. So I don't see how she wouldn't be. I mean, possibly if Joanna ends up in a title fight for straw weight, I don't see why she wouldn't be the first up. Like if Roxanne Modafferi wins tomorrow, which we'll talk about this a little bit more de- detail, I don't see how you don't give it to Sajara. Because she beat her on the on the Ultimate Fighter. If she can make weight, that's the only problem. Yeah, one, not sure if she can make weight. Hospitalized with reported kidney failure is never good. Never. Uh, she went full Khabib. And then, even outside of that, the show is such a small spectrum. So we're talking about women who are 2-2, two 3-2, and 5-3 two, and two, five and three record. As soon as this show is over and as soon as that title fight is over on Friday... That 125-pound division opens to the entire female roster. And that's why she doesn't get a title shot. Well, who gets ahead of her? Oh, Bullet can take that title shot tomorrow. She could. I don't she's think the, they'll do it. She's the best 125-er in the world. She could. I, I don't think they... I don't think... You're telling me th- Paige couldn't jump her. Right now, Paige couldn't Paige, jump her? I mean, Paige could, but she's not good. Um, that's the semantics. We're, we're talking about WME and, and booking well, star power. What I'm saying is, I think I don't think that the road back to a title shot is that far for her. If she can win another fight, or if they just throw her in there, because look, the reality is, whoever wins tomorrow night, they'll be the champion. But it has an expiration date, just like when Carla Sparza was the champion. Didn't take long for Yolanda to get her hands on her and beat the shit out of her. So somebody else is going to come get that title, but they may have a fight for that flyweight title on as like a third title fight on the card where they don't want to put a Shevchenko on there. There's a possibility that somebody else gets a crack, but I don't see how you keep Sajara out if Mataferi wins. Like, I don't want to see Mataferi get murdered by a bullet. I just don't want to see that to happen, but who knows? I mean, but somebody will. Some, somebody will. Like, it's going to be a lot of women jumping around. Like, the rankings are going to be a mess because you're going to have people from two divisions, you know, moving into this division. Um, and then some staying, some seeing, being happy, like, get all these women out of here so I can fight in this weight class. So it'll be an interesting sight to see. But ultimately, like, this was a good season of the Ultimate Fighter, but nobody watched it. So I don't know how many people really care. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's rough. I, and once again, it just takes the right woman because people say the same thing about 115. And it just took time, right? We see Rose is now a star. And on that season, you know, the her versus Carla fight was damn near half empty. And we're at the really? Cosmo. The Cosmo was damn near half empty. I mean, it just kind of tells you that nobody watches the Ultimate Fighter. Like, you can do all of this, promote, like, this this entire long series... Do the, the finale, but the problem is, is you divorce everything from what made the Ultimate Fighter finale important in the first place. The coaches used to fight on the finale. You basically took Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez, pulled them as coaches, and put them on UFC 218 to make that card more significant. Whereas this finale in Vegas has no star power. It's crazy. It's like you're working against yourself. Like Everything that made the Ultimate Fighter charming is not there anymore. So if the coaches aren't fighting in the finale and the show's lost its luster because the format's kind of stale, what do you really have? So the superstars, you don't need this tournament format to crown your champion. It's cool for us diehard MMA fans. But in the grand scheme of things, nobody cares. Yeah. You could do the title fight at UFC 218 if you really wanted to and be like, oh, we're debuting it. We had a private tournament. Nobody saw it. It was on Fight Pass. Nobody <laughs> was No, nah, that's, that's very true. I mean... That's probably one of the first things to go on their new deal. Because you just can't probably. keep pumping money into it. And there's other yeah. ways and better ways to find fighters. As Dana just saw. Dana just housed it in the old UFC gym here in Vegas. And just said, hey, show up if you want to show up. And we're going to put this shit on like YouTube and on Fight Pass. And the production quality is going to be a lot lower. And the cost is going to be a lot lower. But these fights are about to be amazing. And I give a contract to whoever I want to give a contract to. That's yeah. I think that's the new wave. And I think that's what we're going to see. And by the way, we're going to throw Snoop on commentary. 
and piss a whole lot of MMA fighters off. They were not happy with Snoop, but whatever. Listen, that shit was dope. I need Snoop and Marshawn Lynch on commentary. Yeah, those videos of Marshawn watching people get knocked out, that was funny. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, all right, let's. Well, the UFC tough finale, there's really nothing on it. We kind of grazed over that. We're both going on Friday to watch it. Um, so that'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Follow our, our tweets on that and see who becomes the new champion. But right now, we really got to talk about UFC 218. Detroit, um, have they been to Detroit before? Dude, not to my recollection. I'm sure it's happened, but That's, I don't. I don't even remember. I was like, yo, it's... Because Detroit, for a period of time, was a really good boxing city. Yeah. But never really embraced MMA. And then for this card, I was like, okay, random Detroit card. Um, I mean, damn, you only got one person who's really from Detroit at a high level right now. So I was like, okay, like, who's going to be on the card? They just... They said, the hell with the hometown guy. We're just going to stack it. And that they did. For the record, UFC 123 was in Detroit. It was at the the Palace. Rampage versus Machida. That was the last time they were in Detroit. Okay. So there's precedent for it. Yeah. That's not bad. And obviously the Palace is gone. But you have Little Caesars Arena. So, all right. And I like the card top to bottom. Um, man, going through it. Finally, there's a Fight Pass card that looks like a Fight Pass card, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, yeah, that I'm happy I, I could about. Pass on this. I could actually look at it and be like, "Yeah, I'm okay. I don't need to watch this." Yeah, no, not at all. I'm I'm alright with passing on that. I'll catch the highlights if someone gets knocked out early. Um, but good matches on the FS1 card. Uh, Oliveira versus uh, Yancy Maderos. That's going to be a good fight. Felder versus Oliveira is also going to be a good fight. And I look forward to watching Felder fight. I think that's yeah. a that's a good booster fight. Because people are like, oh, I don't know the name so much, but it's just going to be brutal. It's going to be action. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Paul Felder. Charles Oliveira is a, the perfect opponent for him. Um, he's a slight favorite in the books because Oliveira has great jiu-jitsu. But I, like, I'm big on Paul Felder. He's a violent guy to watch. And, uh, yeah, the, the prelims are going to be solid, man. David Teamer is there. Felice Eric's there. But uh, everybody's come for this main card, which is pretty damn ridiculous. Even though it lost uh, Frankie Edgar from the main event, it's still a stacked card. Still really good. Um, by the way, I'm going to need your betting picks this week. I'm not sure if you dropped your uh, betting video yet, but I need insider information. I'm trying to put some money down. Um, but we have Tisha Torres versus Karate Hottie Michelle Waterson. A fight I forgot was on this card. But I, I didn't, but yeah, I could see how that happens. Yeah, I think, uh, well, there's just so much. So many good fights. I was like, damn, I forgot this on the card. But I was pleasantly surprised to see it. I will pick Tisha Torres, actually, to win this fight. Oh, yeah. I'm the same. I think Tisha Torres is a high-volume striker. She's got great um, she's great clinch work. She's very strong. Watterson's a more calculated striker um, who's not really great at stuff in the takedowns. And Torres is, you know, I mean, they call it, what do they call it, a tornado? Yeah, like this, tiny tornado. Yeah, so, the, you know, punches and kicks. Uh, you know, I don't know if Watterson could deal with three rounds of that kind of volume striking and win the fight. Um, and Waters is not a finisher either, so yeah, I'm picking Tisha Torres here. Yeah, Tisha doesn't necessarily have the resume really, um, but that once again the eye test is where it's at, and her only loss is to Rose. Exactly. So you you only lose to the champion, and that goes all three rounds. The that's that's not bad. So this is a place where you know Tisha could really take a step up, and same thing. Karate Hottie ends up pulling it off, then, you know, kudos to her. And she takes another step. It's just, you know, both women lost to Rose. Karate Hottie was on, you know, pretty good tear, but beat only Paige recently in the UFC. So still a lot left uh, to see about both women. Let's see, next fight. Fight of the night. Fuck it. Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, give them all the money. Yeah, this is this is going to be brutal. Um, <laughs> the betting line has... Uh, Justin Gaethje is a favorite. I agree. I think he's going to... I don't think Eddie Alvarez can keep up with this shit. I think he's going to be violent. I think Eddie will rock Gaethje, but that just wakes him up. That's everybody. Everyone rocks Gaethje. And the more important thing here is, I don't know if Eddie Alvarez, how good he's going to be checking these leg kicks. 
Justin Gaethje has some nasty leg kicks. They set up a lot of offense. So Eddie Alvarez has basically said in an interview that his training camp was just full of fuck it because there's really no game plan. Just go and fight. This is going to be like a brawl. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it. But, yeah, I think Gaethje's one way or another. I don't know if Eddie Alvarez will be upright by the final bell. But one way or another, Gaethje's going to win this fight. It's going to be impressive. Yeah, I, I think Eddie, every Justin Gaethje fight should be five rounds. Everyone. Yeah. Like, I hate that these are three-rounders. Um, I'll take Gaethje as well. I think he stops Eddie. But it's going to be one hell of a fight. And Eddie's going to have his offense because Gaethje has no defense. And it's going to be a slugfest. And it's going to be amazing. Um, next fight, Cejudo versus Pettis. Uh, that's close. I'll take Henry Cejudo with his new... Newly found striking skills. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking Cejudo as well. I think uh, Pettis, I'm not saying he's in over his head, but with you combine Cejudo's world-class wrestling with his newfound striking ability, it's going to be a world of, of trouble for Sergio Pettis. I don't know if Cejudo finishes him, but I think the, the combination of wrestling and striking is just going to be a little bit too much. If Cejudo puts you on your back and you're not able to get up, you're kind of done. So, yeah, I'm picking Cejudo here. Like Pettis, I, I know he's he's looked good lately, but this is a different world. Yeah, Pettis, uh, I don't know. Pettis is, should be the rooting interest of UFC fans because it gives DJ a new test. Yeah. Which is needed. But I just don't see how he does it. Me either. I, I really don't. And I, I want to see more of Henry Cejudo. And I think he you know keeps his standing for a good amount of time. And kind of says, you know what, the, the wrestling can wait. Even though that seems to be the older Pettis' major weakness. But I think Cejudo tests himself out on the hands first. Uh, I see that going all the way, but Cejudo winning by decision. A fight that won't go all the way. Alistair, the Reem, over Reem, versus Francis Ngannou. Uh, it's not going past one, yo. It's not going past one round. And Ngannou's going to take his face off. I disagree. What? <laughs> I dis here's what I disagree with. I disagree that I think it's going to go longer than a round. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I know I think I think we're overvaluing Francis Ngannou just a little bit. Oh, you bought and the anti-hype train. I see yeah, where you're going. I, I don't think, and it's not the fact that I don't think he's going to win, but like the betting line has him as like a minus two eighty favorite, which is kind of ridiculous because the biggest name on Ngannou's resume is who? Andre Arlovsky. So, yeah, he passes the eye test, but this is also the heavyweight division where one punch can change everything. I will Alistair tell you this. He has never been out of the third, out of the second round. He's never seen the third round. But he's never fought anybody like Overeem. And one thing that we do know about Overeem is if he wants to be technical, the fight will go the distance. Overeem makes his mistakes when he overcommits, and he ends up getting caught. Stephen Miocic, before that, who did he lose to? Ben Rothwell, because he kind of took Ben lightly and got caught. I don't think the same thing happens here. I think, I think I'm picking Ngannou to win, but I think it's going to be a little bit more technical than a lot of people think that Ngannou's just going to come in and just roll over Overeem. And I wouldn't be surprised if Overeem catches him with one. Because you got to think, Ngannou has looked good, but he just never really has faced. Like, what is, is the adversity that Francis Ngannou has faced when it comes to striking? None. Most punch. people over. But, the, the, I mean, you look at his opponent, the opposition, and they're just really not good. There are people that Overeem would have beat as well. So, given Overeem's kickboxing background, given his he's got quality stand-up, he's just got a glass jaw. And Ngannou will eventually touch that glass jaw. I just don't think it happens in the first round. I think this fight goes a little bit, a little bit longer than that. It could go the distance. Yeah, the jaw never recovers. No, it's just you just have to avoid getting hit in the jaw. And it's hard. Um Especially I with, against a guy like this. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I think it's going to go too late second round and, and Gano will drop him. But I, I think he'll get out of the first. I think Alistair will play it safe and find his way out of the first and have some success. I mean, I remember Alistair Overeem is the guy who knocked out Junior Dos Santos, too. So shit happens. These heavyweights got heavy hands. And that's just wild that Gano's just such a huge favorite. Yeah, um, I'll go out on limit says and say Francis taps him in the first. Takes his face off, goes to the ground, taps him. Nah, I'm not, I'm not going that far. I will go out on a limb and say I think that. if Ngannou touches him, he's going to sleep. I don't think there'll be no need to tap anything. <laughs> yeah, the, 
The jaw never recovers. Um, featherweight main event title fight: Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo. Two. Mm, let's hope Aldo watches that Gaethje fight really closely and, and remembers how to throw a damn leg kick. Because if not, he's not winning this fight. And I'm going to pick him to win just because these rematch fights just seem very tricky. Short camp, rematch. Um, Aldo might be able to pull it together. He rocked Max a couple times in that first one and then just kind of took the, the foot off the gas. I'll pick Aldo to, to make this a trilogy fight going forward. But, man, Max is just so good right now. It's hard to pick against. So I just think it's that perfect storm of, damn, it's a late you know, late opponent, all this stuff. You don't get to prepare for a guy who usually is one hell of a puzzle in Jose Aldo and takes a full camp to prepare for. Uh, it's going to be crazy. We'll see. If, if Aldo comes out and throws five leg kicks in the first two minutes, I'm comfortable with this upset. If not, then I'm going to be wrong. Yeah, the key word here is upset. Um, betting, I did my betting show earlier today, so that's why I'm on these betting lines. Aldo is a plus 260 underdog, which is so disrespectful. <laughs> this is the, a guy who's a former number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, a former champion, probably the greatest featherweight of all time, depending on how long Max keeps the belt. And he's just this big of an underdog? So in the betting world, I'm taking Jose Aldo because there's just too much value there to, to pass this up. In real life, my concern is this. Jose Aldo is going to fight a different fight this time. Um, I think it goes, it goes longer than the first fight. Problem is, is Max Holloway is super relentless. And Jose Aldo's always had a problem with his cardio. So I think he paces himself a little bit more. But the pro, like if, Joe, if he doesn't get him out of there soon, it's going to be a long night. Because Max doesn't go away. He keeps coming forward. He keeps throwing. He's long. He's lanky. He finds his range. He's just kind of a slow starter. So... I'm picking Max Holloway to win this fight. Um, it may not be a stoppage. It may actually be a decision. But uh, I'm, I just the, the level of disrespect being shown to Jose Aldo is baffling because he's still Jose Aldo. He's, he's still, still very capable of being people. I mean, he just worked Frankie Edgar not too long. Exactly. Ago. Like, and if he fight, if Jose Aldo fights this like a points fight, a five round points fight, he could win this fight. But he makes a mistake. Like he gets off to a fast start, and he didn't necessarily take his foot off the gas. He just got tired. And Max just worked him. And you can't make that mistake against a guy like Max Holloway. because you, you. And I think hopefully Jose has figured that out. He doesn't go away, so you're not going to get him out of there. So you need to fight to win a decision rather than looking for a knockout. So winning a decision means you need to slow his ass down with leg kicks. That's the first thing you have to do. Uh, ultimately, this is a truly stacked card. I don't know what it sells, but I'm watching. I'm watching too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We're obligated. But still... Uh, I'll be glued to it because it is a really good card. And 219, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to turn out. So if MMA fans want that last hurrah, I suggest doing it this weekend. Um, let's go anything in boxing. I, I don't think anything in boxing. I mean, boxing, it's been relatively slow. Yeah, Lomachenko's uh, about to come next week. Yeah, that's next week. I mean, what we have this week uh, is Miguel Cotto swan song. This is the end of Miguel Cotto's career. He's fighting Saddam Ali on Saturday. Um, I'll be watching that on the split screen. Um, and it's, it's, it's a legend, legendary career that is, I think, in some ways underrated that's coming to a close. Uh, so that's, that's the big story this weekend. And I mean, I guess I have to ask you, Kel, what, is your, what are your fondest Miguel Cotto moments? Oh, that is tough. Um, I mean, it's weird because I grew up in a household that was always heavy Tito Trinidad and not Miguel Cotto. So it was like, ah, like I, you know, the fan was fans because we had to be fans. But Trinidad was kind of like that dude. Um, with, with Cotto, I respect him. And my fondest memory is the way that he handled business. I mean, great. The Moriorga fight, great. Margarito fight, great. Like, I, I like those things. Um, before that, who did, Shane Mosley fight, cool. And eh, I don't even remember the Zab Judah fight like that. Um, yeah, I mean, but I think the Mosley fight I was really tuned in on. 
all that stuff. But even then, it was just like he had the flexibility, and this is what I appreciate now. He had the flexibility to fight whoever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And in the last decade of boxing and all the BS we had to go through, I am so happy to see a fighter be able to do that. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, like, I was on the Kodal train, I think it's 15th professional fight, um, somewhere around there. I think his HBO, whatever his HBO debut was, I was like, heavy on the Miguel Kodal train because I've never seen, I mean, a lot of people, and I mean, you have to speak to this because it seemed like Tito Trinidad was always the big man in Puerto Rico, and I guess Kodal's demeanor may have turned a lot of people off because he was always business all the time. The man's facial expressions never changed. <laughs> Ever. Um, <laughs> You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't a friendly type, per se, as Tito was a little bit more for the fans. But Cotto's work in the ring was phenomenal. And more importantly, yeah, he'll retire uh, with possibly five or six losses, depending on how this Ali fight goes. I think it blows Ali out. But um, he's his resume stacked. There's, there's not a person that Miguel Cotto didn't fight. You know, everybody that was around, he fought them. He fought Pacquiao. He fought Mayweather. He fought great fights against both fighters, even though he lost. Um, he fought, fought Zab. He fought Shane. You know, he lost to Austin Trout, which put him on the map. First loss to Antonio Margarito, which is still a barn burner. We'll never truly know if, if Margarito's hands were loaded that night. Yep. But um, that was the time when nobody wanted to fight Antonio Margarito. I forgot he, he knocked out Chop Chop. Yeah, I mean, you go through his list. I mean, there's guys Ma- that were Carlos Torres. Everyone. And and if you like going back to the Malinazi fight, a fight that I watched was he just beat the shit out of Polly's arms. That left hook to the body, and Polly tried to block, and there was nothing he could do about it. Miguel Cotto is a first ballot Hall of Famer for sure, um, and is a guy who probably will get his due amongst hardcores much later after his retirement. I think we kind of taken him for granted. What he brought to Madison Square Garden. Um, and it, you you never really saw a boring Miguel Cotto fight. I mean, him beating Sergio Martinez, granted Sergio was on one leg, but he fought everybody. He fought Canelo. Who else has this kind of a resume? And it, it's not like he waited to fight these guys when they were old either. He fought them when they were steamrolling people. He fought Pacquiao when Pacquiao was in the midst of destroying everybody. Oh, yeah, that Floyd fight. He took Floyd at the height of Floyd. Yeah, like he, he Miguel Cotto has fought everybody. He didn't have to fight Margarito, but he did. He didn't have to fight Shane Mosley, but he did. Um, and he fought guys that were former champions. And, you know, Paulie Malignaggi was a title defense. Ricardo Torres, who a lot of people f- forgot about, had hellacious wars with Kendall Holt. Here was Miguel Cotto beating up Ricardo Torres. I mean, Chop Chop, Randall Bailey, Lovemore and Dow, Carlos Mousa when Mousa was beating people. It's He has a pretty legendary career, man. And I saw his press conference this morning. He had tears on the podium. You know, 17 years, I believe, his career spanned. It's a legend, man. He's a legendary fighter. People should tune in. And now it leaves Puerto Rican fight fans in an awkward predicament. Because now who's next? Well, there was a guy who was supposed to be next. Yeah, then he went and wrecked his motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, my grandma better not listen to this portion of the show because she'll kill me. But it, it just, it is what it is. Like, there's no one, there's no one here now. How about that? So, yeah, no. and in, a, in a time where, you know, we saw it, there's the hurricane there. People are still kind of messed up. Puerto Rico could use Verdejo to kind of get off on, on a nice run. But I don't see it. What was Verdejo fight? Like, Man, it's been a minute since Felix Verdejo fight. I mean, he had the accident, of course, but... You know, and, and he I, broke I always, his hand before then. Yeah, and I've always thought Verdejo was a little overrated. I think people really wanted him to be a bigger star than he was. So, and then I'm, I'm, I'm saying was. I mean, he fought in February, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, he's not Miguel Cotto. And he's I, only I know 24 said, though. He's young. He's got talent. Um, I think they just have to be very careful with how they match Verdejo up because he hasn't looked really good in his last couple of fights. Yeah. No, it's 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 rough. We shall see. He needs he needs to take the next step if he hopes to be that guy. And I'm just not sure about it. Um, yeah, so that's that's the boxing world. Pro wrestling, we saw a couple of things happen this week, but like I said to open the show, we've issued a challenge. And I want to stick by that challenge. So nothing too crazy has happened in the world of WWE. 
We're calling the Wrestle Rap crew out. We're going to hold our wrestling talk for next week. And next week better be a joint show. We're going to get Cavs on the horn right now. Tell them to stop with the Henny Paloozas. Get on the horn right now. Let's do it. I'll talk to Emilio. Let's, let's make it happen. We're going to combine and bring all our wrestling talk. Talk about Rumble together. Talk about um, what just happened. Survivor Series, the call-ups, everything like that. And we'll do an all-wrestling show, hopefully sometime this next week. Bring it together, and we'll just make that our wrestling show. And have two shows this week or next week. And one of those will be that joint show. So, we're putting the wrestling talk on a pause for a second. Hit us up, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff if you want to see us talk wrestling. But this is a good week to put on pause. And you guys bombard at Real Life Cas, at Real Life Cas, at Emilio Sparks on Twitter. Tell them let's go. Throw the memes out there. Tell them, get on this podcast, get on the mics, and let's do the damn thing. Um, outside of that, Andreas, I think we covered everything. Did I get everything? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a pretty good podcast. People are going to be like, where's the wrestling? We'll talk about Broken Matt Hardy next week. Don't worry. Listen, we'll talk you, about you only it. went half broken. We got you. Don't worry. We'll, we're building there. Um, we'll have two good weeks to talk about. But sometimes you got you to gotta make the call out. This is, this is our promo calling them out. Next week will be the match. Tell them to come out for the match. We got, we got podcast tag team wrestling going on here. So you guys hit them up. For now, though, that is our show for this week. We will let you guys get out of here. We'll let Andreas get back to being daddy of the year at his crib. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at the corner LSN. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hill. Follow the corner on all other platforms as well. Make sure you guys know. Hit those guys up. Great show this week. For now, though, we're out. Peace.